why cryptocurrency is here to stay. Welcome to Metaversity, your first stop for everything on the new frontier of Metaverse and everything blockchain. I'm Chris with Kristen, and we'll explore and learn this new world together. So I thought we'd start out, we actually just talked about this in a last couple episodes back about, you know, where crypto's going, it's the crypto winner, but is this the, you know, the financial people that, that are kind of against crypto are saying, you know, this is the end of crypto as we know it and uh, all of that stuff. But it seems to be getting seemingly worse right now. So the stock market is continuing to go down. It's officially a, a bear market. And we're not really getting into whether you should invest or not invest and who you should invest in. But more of, is this the end of crypto? Or is crypto going to be here to stay? And, and I think you and I believe that this is a result of crypto still being treated like a investment, right. um, a volatile investment, some might say, but still an investment versus a currency. Well, I mean, we've already kind of touched on this a few times, but yeah, as long as it's being treated like this with no other, you know, purpose yet, like that's kind of where we're like, that's just what we're seeing. You know, so you when you treat it like an investment instead of the currency that it is, because it's hard to use it as a currency right now, other than sending money from me to you and a few other um, rare exceptions, you know, you can't, I can't go to Walmart yet and, you know, use that currency to actually buy goods. Yep. And I think once I see that change, then all of a sudden, you know, now things should stabilize more and... Mm -hmm. you know, you should see it kind of be treated more the right way instead of how we see yep. it now. Well, I want to pop open a, a graph just to kind of give you uh, an idea of what people are saying. So on this graph, um, doesn't even really matter which line, whether it's the top line or the bottom line is cryptocurrency versus like normal stock market stuff. Um, kind of in the past, cryptocurrency in the stock market, if you overlaid you know, the ups and downs, they kind of went together and, and that goes kind of in line. I'm going to go ahead and bring that back down so we can, we can see each other again. Um, kind of in go, goes in line with that whole, they've kind of been coupled together, but, um, here in the last few days, Coinbase has, uh, announced that they're going to have to let go like 18% of their staff members. Right, it's and, like a and, thousand employees or something, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot for, for a company their size. And and now the financial people are saying, Oh, they they've decoupled. Um mm. and you know, it's continuing to go down faster than the, the stock market. Now, I think you and I agree that this is all about um transactions. Right. Um so right now, you know, it takes a long time to move cryptocurrency around, uh, to purchase things is expensive. The fees for using cryptocurrency is, it can be expensive. Uh, the gas for that changes depending on the cryptocurrency and things like that. But as the technology changes, um, you know, Ethereum is getting closer to the merge, um, you know, moving from proof of work to proof of stake, the transaction speeds and fees for those transactions should start to plummet 
and then doing exactly what you said, running to Walmart to pay for some groceries should be something that's very doable with cryptocurrency instead of fiat money or your credit card or whatever. Right, right. And so I think with that, that's that's when you're going to see this, the true decoupling of things like the crypt, cryptocurrency and the stock market. Because if you look at a lot of traditional investments together, whether it's uh, the stock market or it's uh, agriculture or something like that, you know, those are all heavily influenced by what's happening in the world. And, and I think that's what you're seeing now. And then what people are starting to say is the decoupling really isn't a decoupling. It's the same thing people would do if a giant scandal hit Disney tomorrow or Tesla, you know, a hundred cars uh, that Tesla made had the wheels fly off, you know, despite whatever the stock market's doing, those stocks would go down. And, you know, with cryptocurrency, I think you're seeing Coinbase, one of the larger exchanges having to let some people go, you know, the investors are looking at that and they're like, oh, you know, here's something else. So it's not really a decoupling. I think people are just reacting naturally to circumstances inside, you know, the world of cryptocurrency. Well, sure. And I mean, you know, if Coinbase is seeing, I mean, there's a, a few reasons they could be choosing to downsize like this mm -hmm. like the most obvious one is they're not making the money that they had and now they can't actually support that many employees like financially support them as a business um the other thing could be and i don't know this but i'm just saying like off the top of my head um you know if they if they have made decisions as this kind, kind of, of centralized, centralized wallet experience for users and then users decided that they didn't want to do that anymore like maybe they got they just decided they didn't want that kind of wallet and they want to do cold wallets instead of hot wallets for example and they they you they had half their user base or more just pull out um you know i mean they were in the news not that long ago for um making some decisions about who had access to what if their own money yeah. And, you know, if a user decided, and a, if a large enough group of users, I should say, decided to pull out because of those decisions, then that would hurt them as a business. And then, therefore, they couldn't right. support having that many employees and they would have to let them go. So, I mean, I don't know without more details and more information and more transparency into their business, which we're probably not likely to get. Um it's hard to really say what spurred that. And so mm -hmm. it, to like make these knee jerk statements or react, have that knee jerk reaction to, well, now it's decoupling or whatever right, it is, right. you know, I feel like that's just, that's just the naysayers just trying to chime in about, you know, the fact that they don't like crypto and like, see, this is just another example of blah. Right. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that. No, and you know, a lot of these are your traditional um, financial folks who right. don't fully understand it yet. They don't know, they don't understand what it's actually backed by. And so when they see this, they, they just think that this was the inevitable and there's no inevitable. I, I think it may still go down more before it comes back up, but, and you know, we may, the, you may see the death of some meme coins because of all of this, but I think at the the end of the day, the technology, the technology itself that this is built on, 
is is here to stay and i think your your major cryptocurrencies for sure um are going to be around for a long term long time and the technology is going to make this way more feasible for people to use and uh you know we can get into things like the very things that are influencing it a little bit now are actually helping out people you know ukraine's using cryptocurrency to raise money and some of these um developing nations are still everything that's happening has still not been enough to scare people away in some of those circumstances from using it. It's still something safer than their existing fiat yes, currency. I mean, it's, it's all about the utility of it. Exactly. You know, and as you see these hurdles become, you know, overcome, you start to see the technology really, like you're saying, improve and become more useful for people, um, you know, long-term and, it'll help kind of steer this ship towards that for all the coins, you know, like enabling actual utility, mm -hmm. not just for, you know, the big cryptocurrencies, but, you know, even smaller coins as well. Sure. And then I think the last thing on this is, uh, you know, I think it's hopefully not something where people here will become complacent about this technology. Because this is where, you know, a smaller, maybe one of those developing nations where people are starting to really kind of uh, grab hold of the concept of using this because it's safer than their existing currency. You know, we've seen huge, you know, rock stars in development for various technologies come out of developing nations. Um, and sometimes people seem surprised, but I think there's a lot more access to technology now. And, you know, as these countries start to to grab hold and embrace this technology, you might start seeing some of these technologies we're talking about where it will drive those fees and those transaction times way down, come out of those places. It would be really cool if it was here in the U.S., but, you know, we get... Well, I mean, these are, generally speaking, very global um, mm -hmm. coins, so it should, yeah. I think. And, you know, in some ways, it's probably a great thing if, if it does, you know... But uh, it would also be cool if we had that same ingenuity come out of the U.S. Yeah. So uh, kind of on a completely different topic, I saw that InReal is kind of back in the news. So their InReal Lite and InReal Air models uh, are going to start uh, beta testing the ability to play Steam games on they, they still call them AR glasses. Uh, I don't know if I go that far. I mean, it sounds but... more like they'd be just heads-up display, you know, for the games. Yeah, and they have the ability to mimic, um, you know, they have the ability to do like a heads-up display, but they also have the ability to essentially be the same as like a over 100-inch screen. Um, and so I, I could definitely see playing games on these being a lot of fun. They're looking to add the steam support they currently support xbox cloud but you know xbox cloud kind of limits the number of people who can utilize these for games and things like that so they're wanting to um you know start supporting steam and not all the games are quite supported uh yet but they are beta testing it now and they're going to start optimizing some of the games for play on devices like this which is great for steam and for in real to be working together on because right. 
even though these probably aren't true AR glasses, I think it paves the way for uh, similar glasses and actual AR glasses in the future to have support for things that are going to draw people in. You know, the, the thing that's always scary about these technologies is the, the use of them when they first come out. If there's nothing to do on them, people won't use them, and right. they, they kind of die even though the potential's there. Right. So I'm I'm kind of kind of excited to see what Enreal's gonna to do with it. Um, now, before we started, we were talking about some stuff. You know, it's it's a basically a big private screen for you to play your games on. You still have to have, um, you know, a controller. You know, you're not right. using hand gestures and things like that to play the games. It's just going to be a another method for you to be able to play them and, you know, maybe not tie up your TV while doing it or, or be, make it portable, you know, maybe play your Steam games on an airplane or a bus ride. There's going to be a lot of, I think, utility for them. Sure. I think, you know, probably the first hurdles that, that you see that they're going to have to overcome with even this kind of use is um, battery life. You know, yes. Um, I assume it, this is going to be playing Steam games that are sort of. Um, I mean, they've got to be kind of coming from a computer of some type. They're not. You're obviously. I mean, it feels obvious to me, I guess, that you're not going to be. Right. You know, playing them directly from your headset. Your headset's got to be tethered to some computing device somewhere. Now it could be your phone, or it could be a laptop. Or, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I'm just kind of curious to see how that goes, and then the actual battery life. Right. Exactly. So we'll be, you know, uh, looking to see how how that device goes. I had an image to pull up, but looks like I had had a little technical difficulty, so we'll we'll skip that for now. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so. Kind of exciting. I would because they're going to be something that's available. Would love to get my hands on them and, and play oh, with for them. For sure. I mean, anytime you see these, I noticed when we were walking through Best Buy recently that um, the Facebook Ray Ban ones are out in the Best Buy stores. Um, they don't have there at least at ours anyway. They didn't have like a working demo. They just had them there. From a fashion standpoint, they look pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, would love to actually see them you know experience them and see kind of what that is like when they're actually on and on your face um but yeah i mean it's uh, we need more of these out in the universe so we can all try them out and you know the more the more that people can see them and get used to seeing them and and use them the more it'll kind of push this technology forward and we'll start to see things like you know come from it right yeah, absolutely. And then kind of the last thing. Um, so Meta is Meta as in, you know, I think Facebook. Uh, we talk about right. the Metaverse a lot. And I think Meta and Meta Metaverse get kind of mixed up from time to time. They I'm sure are. they did that on purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that feels very on purpose to yes, me. Yes, it does. Um, so I had a couple images to, to pull up for this too, but they weren't really anything directly related to the story. So I don't think they, they add anything to it. Uh, but they're using Hong Kong as uh, a testing ground for some, for their AR and, and VR technology. So what they're doing is they're going to some various cafe chains, 
schools, art institutes, and things like that. And they are using things like VR um, at expedition or ex exhibits, sorry, uh, and local cafes to show pe basically people what the practical use of these devices could be. And then with AR, they're, um, now this isn't AR like AR glasses. Uh, uh, it's going to be like tablets and phones and that kind of stuff for now because the, the, we're just talking about AR glasses and right. the true ones don't totally exist yet. Um, but we know Meta's working on some and Apple and, and everybody else. I mean, there are AR glasses. They, there correct are. that there are there are yes i'm sorry there's, there's no, no mainstream ones yet, yet. There's, there's none that kind of fit the bill for where we know we're going, going you know from a do they look cool standpoint you know that kind of thing but. you're you're right i stand i stand corrected um there are um but like you said they're not really consumer and not readily available yeah, everywhere they're, they're not what we're thinking of every time we talk about our glasses right the short of it um, so, so Facebook, Facebook is doing this thing that's very similar to the, I mean, it sounds like it's a similar idea to what brought them to the point where they were opening a brick and mortar. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, they opened it on their campus, campus but still. I think there's, um, the technology is still new, and I think a lot of people still think of uh, all of this stuff is like a giant VR experience, like a video game. And, and a lot of it is, so it's easy right. to understand where that comes from. But knowing that, you know, we've had stories where they're using uh, digital twins and VR environments to help people fight fires and to work on buildings and, you know, all this type of things. Um, so I think they're, they're trying really hard for people to see the technology is more than just to play to pl a place to play games um, where they can actually use the technology for something for the greater good you know, and for education and that thing that people have the least hard time um envisioning technology advancement like this for games it's funny how that's like the easy one right but when you're like hey how can it actually be used in my everyday life everybody goes well uh, i don't know and they blank out they don't know but there's so many applications like that you know i mean we've talked a lot about those but i i mean to stretch your imagination a little bit. I mean, it could be, we love living in Florida, we love to go fishing. I mean, I could think of a dozen applications for AR and VR that would help me like, you know, spot artificial reefs or reefs in general, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to be able to tell general depths. I mean, we know a lot of that information already and we have a lot of ways of measuring, you know, tides and waves and, um depth already mm -hmm. so like you know those services exist if you pay for them right now right as a boater for example um to take that information and kind of turn it into uh you know a digital twin with maps that we already have which granted i know those are not nearly as plentiful but there are a lot of them um you know in the tampa bay area i'm sure that's pretty well covered Mm -hmm. So it would be very useful to have that. So if you had your AR glasses, for example, you could easily see depths right there. You don't have to keep like looking down at your screen, you know, as you're trying to boat around, you know, and you're or, driving your boat. Or guess where the structure is, you know, it could, exactly. you could just kind of see it. You, you would see it is right there as you approach it. And 
um, it would come closer as you get closer to it and you could be like, okay, now I know I'm over this structure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure there's probably, there could be a list that comes up and it, it pops up and is like, hey, there's commonly grouper found here. And, you know, bass and, or not bass, there would be grouper not and bass, much. but like, you know. In the lakes. I mean, it's, I not, think it's still applicable. <laughs> not, they're not in Tampa Bay, but you know. No. But I'm just saying, like, you know, so I was thinking snapper and bass came out of my mouth, so whatever. Um, <laughs> that's how it is sometimes when you're tired. So, um, anyway, like, that's just one application. You know, there's there's, there's so, so many, many of them, them that I feel like are in that same vein, even, that are practical applications for this technology that people could be stretching their minds towards. You know what I mean? Yep. No, totally. And, you know, that's that's kind of what they're wanting to do. And, you know, they even said that they're wanting to work with, you know, people like those local creators on their NFT projects and how they could do um, things like you've described and all sorts of stuff with, with the technology and try to get people to think about it more than just a, a gaming platform. Right. And <clears throat> really off topic, we just watched something the other day where, you know, when you sit and think about it, a simple tech not very simple when you think about it, but GPS. It was, event, it was originally invented by the government for uh, our ability to track where people are and troops and all that kind of stuff. It was a, uh, but now that it's been uh, basically given to the public for access and all the things that have come about because of that technology, it's not just about knowing where you are and directions, but it's how companies like Uber and uh, you know, your grocery delivery people and all that stuff like exists. There's tons of apps when you go, you know, run around and it tracks where you've been and how long it took you to do your run and your lap times and all that stuff. That's all because of GPS. When we start to embrace VR and AR as more than a gaming platform, there's probably a ton of applications for it that we've, you know, just started scratching the surface on that we haven't even thought of yet. Exactly. Um, I so think it's, it's really cool to see like Facebook uh, meta, you know, trying to help people see those applications and, you know, envision them. So th you mentioned though, that they're, they're going to be like, I don't know, testing out teaching. Is that what it was? Yes. How to use them in like an educational scenario. Um, I would imagine with VR, it didn't go into a ton of detail, but I imagine with VR, maybe an opportunity for to have virtual classrooms, kind of like how we're doing this podcast in a, in a virtual, in a virtual space. Right. Um, you know, with AR, there was, um, some pictures, but it looked like stock art. So I don't think it was necessarily what meta was producing. Uh, but there was pictures of, you know, somebody, somebody holding, holding an iPad, iPad over a book, book and, you know, you know the, the book, book kind of popping out of the, the, the iPad now, you know, that feels very stock art ish yeah. to me, but that's kind of the vision I think a lot of people have when they think of AR, they hold their iPad out and, you know, the dinosaur pops up that, right? and that kind of thing. Because that's their portal to the digital. Right. Your phones, your iPads, even your PCs can be portals for that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so when, when the portal, portal no longer has to be something you're holding in your hand and it can be the thing on your face glasses mm -hmm. uh, or contacts even, um, you know, all of a sudden the world just kind of opens up for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's kind of with like with the in real glass we we're talking about before. Exactly. It's a very small step in that AR direction, but it'll be 
game changer, I think, for education. Well, for sure. I mean, you know, getting getting people's eyes from, you know, off of their devices and up to engaging with other people, mm-hmm. I think also is a part of that equation. Yep. yep. You know. Now, Hong Kong isn't uh, by accident, though. You know, when I first read it, I was like, why, why Hong Kong? I know it's a big city. There's tons of people there. Um, and the question might be, why not Hong Kong? But, you know, Meta's a U.S.-based company. Why not L.A. or San Francisco or New York or Miami or some other big city that's right in their backyard? Well, I think this is because their big rival that's been going on for, for a little while now, uh, Animoca Brands, which I probably said it wrong, but if you don't know who they are, uh, they're the creator of Sandbox. Right. Um, they've been having kind of a fundamental battle between their beliefs and what the metaverse should be. Okay. And, a and, battle with meta. Right. Okay. So um, I probably said that weird. So basically the Sandbox people um, don't agree with the direction that meta is headed with their philosophy in the metaverse versus theirs. So Meta believes in more of a large, more centralized metaverse experience that may exist on a decentralized network. So they're still thinking very centralized. And their key argument is for things like virtual land, like they've got tons of questions about, you know, how virtual land works and how real it is. And what they mean by that is, you know, let's say it's not limited to sandbox because there's lots of similar environments as sandbox, but their argument is what if sandbox is gone tomorrow? You know, who do I ask to get my virtual land? So Um, that's what Facebook's saying. That's what Facebook is saying that there should be a centralized, safer, maybe trusted (laughs) Hmm. uh, world that all your decentralized objects, like your NFTs and, and that's that kind what, of stuff. Can, so that's can, what can... Meta has said mm-hmm. repeatedly that, you know, that's what they want to be. They want to own the metaverse. They want to be the metaverse. Right. And the reality is that that's not the direction we're headed. No. And, and of course, you know, uh, Animoca Brands believes that it should be a, a completely decentralized ex- experience. Right. Now, of course, that's humorous. Now they're they're at centralized the moment. at the moment, yeah. But that's where their belief belief is. Right. Um, and you can buy virtual land that's owned as an NFT off of their centralized environment. So they're as about as close to that as you can get with the existing technology and abilities right now. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've got some limitations, but I mean, you see decentralized social media platforms mm-hmm. that exist. So. I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, the sandbox folks uh, to kind of take that next step. Um, But it does take some ingenuity, I think, to answer a lot of the questions that are kind of technically outstanding. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they're, I mean, right off the top of my head, I go, well, it's not impossible. I think it's very overcomable to to do that. It's very achievable. Um, so I would love to see more than just a philosophy from them. I would mm-hmm. love to, you know, understand more about their vision for that path well, and how they actually intend to achieve 
actually decentralized. Sure. You know, as opposed to the the only somewhat, you know, that they're currently at. Well, Animoca basically is saying Especially to, if they're in a battle with Meta. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. Well, you know, they're they're openly, you know, kind of talking about their, their various philosophies. But Animoca takes it, you know, a step further and uses the words that I think a lot of people who are uh, interested in decentralized technology in Web3, which is they're wanting to make a more equitable, equitable, God, I can't talk today, access to asset ownership. So they want, want it to be more equal for everybody. Right. Um, which we know that in a centralized world, that, that's sometimes difficult to make it more equitable because Facebook has control and it always starts innocently, but they'll make this rule to protect these people and they'll make this change because they think that it's a better environment for everyone. And then before you know, know it accidentally, um, I'm going to take that approach to it anyway, accidentally it skews everything towards one group of people, whether it's in a virtual world or it's in the real world, that tends to happen with laws and regulations and yeah, rules and that kind of slippery thing. Slippery slopes, even. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think reading between the lines um, that uh, Animoca is actually thinking beyond what everybody is calling the metaverse now. Um, which are kind of these virtual sandbox rules or, you know, environments like we're in right now that Meta has made and, and that kind of thing. I think they're headed towards what you've always talked about, which is when we have a digital map of the world and now people own virtual pieces of that instead of it being a completely made up world. Now we're talking about the virtual land version of the real world. And I think that, you know, in a world where Meta owns that, that's terrible. Um, but in a world where it's decentralized and, you know, everybody has an opportunity to have a piece of that, to right. own their piece of the world. Well, kind of the interesting thing is, better. I don't think, I don't think I've seen steps from Meta's side to actually do that. Mm -hmm. But we have seen steps from companies like Snap and um, Niantic that they're absolutely headed that path. Right, right. You know, that's, that's their vision. vision. That's, that's what, what they're, they're trying, trying to, you know, contribute to this Web3 future. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that when you hear people like Animoca talk, you know, you, you can tell that that's where they're, they're thinking 10 steps ahead. They're not right. necessarily talking about that. Well, I think what's exciting that's about what they're thinking. I think what's exciting about that is that they're at least seeming to me like they're in, in this path where it's it should be decentralized, people should own their stuff, you know, that kind of path versus I want to own it. Right. And, you know, from a company standpoint, that's a hard switch for a business to mm -hmm. make because what are their, what are they going to do? What is their money making thing? Like, how are they a business that stays in business? Right. You know, and you have to, you have to see that, you know, in the end, you you can't own it. You need to make find ways that you're making money as a participant in that thing, and and not an owner of that thing. Right. You got to make it where you're involving all the people instead of it. Yeah. Being a company that decides. Yeah. And you know, um, maybe pivot away from data owning and brokerage and that kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. like 
that's what Facebook has done to make all of their money in the end. Everybody says, well, Facebook makes their money off marketing. They make their money off of the data that they have gathered from free users and, and how they have monopolized that data. Exactly. Right. And they continue to, you know, mine that. And if Meta, you know, they're, uh, they see the Metaverse as potentially being another avenue to, to gain more users and to I mean, gain more access to it. more data um, that they can then turn around and, and use to grow their wealth. But, I mean, it's, it's a path. It's worked. Yeah. And people were more than willing to give it to them, I guess, in the end. Um, or just, you know didn't understand what they were trading but uh, <laughs> in the end yeah i mean you never really you you envision this future where you don't have to do that you get to own your own stuff and you know these companies don't make their money off of you right they they make it a different way by i think participating instead of owning right well and you know that's why when you saw uh apple and then android um, decide to really kind of crank down on the privacy stuff and limit Facebook's ability to see all of that. Why, right? You know, Meta's a bit, yeah, Meta to, Meta's, uh, you know, revenue sources started drying up a lot. So, um, you know, it's it's very obvious what they've what their their goal in mind is. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to hearing more about you know, kind of that path and what's happening there. It would be interesting to see if you know Facebook can potentially see the light it's not like they've not been unwilling to change their opinions they have already done that in the time that we've done this podcast yep. they, they originally were exactly what you said they wanted to own it now they're talking about being more like metaverse experiences um which is kind right, of what they are still very centralized mm -hmm. you know in their beliefs and they're still i want to own i want to own i want to own it's right. just because they're not understanding i think anyway they're not understanding how else they can be a business and exist in this new kind of world. And the reality is if they can't come to that realization, they won't be. Right. Exactly. So on that note, subscribe, hit the like button, leave us a review. Leave us a review. Catch you on the next one.